0: Hello, and
1: welcome back to the Radical Parenting Podcast. My name is Tony Chakras. I'm here again with Kara Porba.
0: Hey, I'm Kara, and tonight we're going to talk about Unconditional Parenting, which is a book by Alfie Cohn. and Alfie Cohn has written a whole lot of books like Reward, uh, Punished by Rewards, The Myth of the Spoiled Child, and a bunch more of which I would like to read all of them. So I read this book a couple months ago and recommended it to Tony and uh it helped me a lot. I really t- kind of turned a corner in my relationship with my daughter, I think.
1: Show it really- to us. For those that are watching and not just listening, uh Kara's holding up a picture of the the book again by Alfie Cohen. It says, uh, what is it? Proactive challenge to the conventional wisdom about discipline. So um as Kara knows, like for the last like 10 or 15 years, I've been working on a kind of an essay and kind of like a philosophy around, around child raising and how I wanted to help raise my niece and nephews and how I wanted to raise my own children um, well before I, I had any. And we've I've read a lot of books and, um, and we've read several for this podcast. And this is the book that by far for me was like closest to my to my school of thought and what I've been calling prime directive parenting, this, this essay or philosophy around parenting. So I really liked it. Um, what was the woman from the previous book, Susan? Uh,
0: Janet Lansbury. Oh,
1: sorry, Janet Lansbury. Um, I, loved, I loved her book. I would, if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably pick, uh, pick, pick the book that we read of hers. And I just loved her vibe and I loved her I love the feeling I got from her as a human reading the book um, and just her voice. Uh, but again, this one, like philosophically, is is probably the most aligned book that, that I've come across. So I'm excited to review it and I appreciate you introducing me to it.
0: And they mesh, I think, because Janet Lansbury, her work is really like with ages zero to three. And of course, all of her stuff is applicable beyond that and she's really focused on babies and toddlers and so you know Alfie Cohn's books kind of like go into school and um teenagerhood and well you know the whole lifespan
1: yeah and I want us to do kind of like to talk about the whole book but I should mention that um that you know, he, he talks about challenging some of the conventional wisdom of discipline and punishment and, and behavioral, you know, change um, or alteration or influencing our children. And for me, I kind of got like frustrated with the book a little bit because like, I'm so sold on the idea of not punishing our kids. I'm so sold on on the idea of, of honoring our kids' own path. And, and even more so than I think Janet Lansbury, she talks about how she's not on the far end of the spectrum, I think Alfie's potentially even a little further over than, than her in terms of like giving your children just like more free reign or something like that. But I was so sold on it that he spends the first like seven or eight or nine chapters, just like trying to convince you of this idea that like traditional punishment and behavioral modification and influencing your children in a way that parenting traditionally has always focused, um, isn't a good idea. And I kind of feel like parents who don't believe that aren't going to be really convinced anyway. And parents like me are just like, okay, what, so what do you, what do you want us to do? What do we do instead? Yeah. Stop, stop telling me what you don't want me to do.
0: Yeah. Heads up. A lot of his books are that way. He does a really thorough critique of Mm -hmm. like mainstream ideas and methods before he ever gets to like, how about let's do this? Yeah. Yeah. And this book probably has done more than the others that I've read of saying, I mean, but that's kind of the trouble because it's real easy and kind of black and white to be like, well, if your kid like misbehaves then like do this and then duh, duh, yeah. duh, 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 X, Y, Z and like the, you know, the behavior pops out of the Skinner box on the other side.
1: I, I wrote in my notes that it could also be called unconditional parenting could also be called like conscious parenting. Cause he encourages just being really deliberate about what you're doing, thinking about like, long-term not just the immediate ramifications of what you're up to but the long-term ramifications and being deliberate about what we're doing so we cannot subconsciously pass on the the bad lessons or bad habits that were taught to us he said something like it takes constant questioning to not default to the same techniques that wounded us as children uh so yeah I, i i i really yeah i really loved this book and you mentioned the skinner box or whatever but yeah, it starts out by talking about this traditional view of behaviorism, which is this scientist B.F. Skinner that kind of promotes the more compulsory behavior for kids. Kind of like the, you know, say you're sorry, Joey, or, you know, like you share, you you got to share or something like that, which is a little bit more focused on controlling behavior and how to kind of manipulate our kids to behave the ways we want to or the ways we, we think are good or we, the ways that we think will help them be happier in life. And he's saying that, no, the way to have your children be happy is just to focus on understanding and accepting your child, even when they're totally misbehaving. The focus is just, you know, understanding and accepting, not behavior modification.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually wa- I'm not sure that Skinner ever even wrote about children. Oh, right. I don't know if he was interested in parenting or education or anything, but his idea was that the behavior the external behavior that can be observed is kind of all that matters because it's all that you can observe. Mm -hmm. But I got that reinforcement from Alfie Cohn that it's okay when our kids act obnoxious Mm -hmm. and it's okay to be loving towards them, even when they act obnoxious and to be curious about, well, what's, what's really going on? Like, what are they needing? The thing is with young children, they're not going to be able to tell you, you know, so it's trying to really understand and and trust that whatever they're doing that seems obnoxious on the outside, it's probably coming from a good place. I don't think Alfie Cohn says that, but this is reminding me of another author that I really love, um, Easy to Love, Difficult to Discipline. She right. talks about assigning positive intent.
1: Rebecca Bailey.
0: Yeah, that's what I was getting to with Alfie Cohn is like, you know, kids aren't acting up to make us lose our minds or or sure. late or whatever it's that they like really need something and we can attend to it. it's okay to attend to a child and and try to really give them the unconditional love that they are wanting in every moment no matter what f mm-hmm. up thing they happen to be doing at that second
1: Yeah, he references, I don't know if it's her or someone else, if it's Rebecca Bailey or someone else, but he references...
0: Easy to love, difficult to discipline. And then the more famous one that's newer is called Conscious Discipline.
1: So yeah, he has a section where, where he just says, yeah, should always just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of like why they're acting the way they're acting and he gives he gives a few examples of like parents who thought their you know authority was being challenged because he told he told his daughter to put some food away and then she was like no and then he's like instead of getting into a power struggle with her he's like you know instead of assuming she's challenging him assume assume the best yeah he he has a section or a chapter on that where he just says you know instead of assuming you know why your children are doing anything or if you have like multiple guesses or if you're ascribing that they're trying to challenge you or he talks a lot about that, about people saying like, oh, we we're testing, testing our limits or testing our boundaries um, in some kind of negative way. Instead, try on, you know, a more kind of glowing interpretation of, of why our children are doing what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And that whole testing boundaries thing, I think he and Janet Lansbury probably disagree there. She talks a lot about kids, not that they're testing boundaries to like annoy us, but it's a way of experimenting and learning about their world and learning Mm. about their caretakers. You know, Mm. if I do this, what does mom do? Oh, gosh, that really got a reaction. What's going on there? It's like a need to understand and explore. Yeah. Something happens that doesn't quite make sense to a child. And I, I believe in that. I I see that all the time with my kid. I have a funny story, actually. So after I read this book, I was sort of high on this idea of, like, unconditional love and that, like, it's, like, that it's totally fine for me to be, like, really goopy and just unconditionally loving to my kid no matter what. And she kind of freaked out a little bit. (laughs) I think she noticed something. I was like, what is going on with my mom? And in a weird way, that's unsettling for a child.
1: Remind the the listeners how old Elsie Jane is.
0: So Elsie Jane is, she's turning five in a couple weeks, actually. So she would have been like 4.75 around this time. And, uh, you know, I think it was unsettling for her, (laughs) actually, that like, I wasn't for a couple days, I was like, not feeling impatient, genuinely not feeling impatient. Not losing my temper, probably being like extra gooey, you know. (laughs) And she started kinda like doing crazy stuff. Like she would like she took a stuffed animal and she was like stabbing it in the eye and then she would look at me to see what my reaction was gonna be and then she stab it in the eye again. And then she'd like put it on the floor and step on it. And I think that she was actually like unsettled. She was Mm. like, okay, normally my mom would probably react to this. And right now she's not what is going on. Right.
1: Early on in the book he talks about about Carl Rogers stating that behaviorism in in raising our children results in children disowning parts of themselves. When you when you tell your child, you know, when your child expresses themselves in some way that feels natural to them and, and then you you try to alter that behavior, suppress that behavior, or try and explain to them why that behavior is not acceptable. Uh, Carl Rogers said that, that that can result in your children disowning parts of themselves or feeling that they aren't at their core lovable. They can develop a false self or like kind of a, a self that can be shown to others and a self that needs to be hidden. And that that's like highly associated with, with depression and low self-worth. Uh, so this is all part of his, you know, what I was already sold on, his kind of selling of the idea that traditional conditioning of our children, like classical conditioning and the B.F. Skinner kind of approaches to behavior modification just aren't really healthy. Also early on, he he repeated what I had heard in the Janet Lansbury book that we read uh, that like praise, he really, for a couple chapters, talked about how praise and positive reinforcement is detrimental which again is a new concept to me like my nieces and nephews for 15 years I've been praising them every chance that I get and but now it makes just total sense the idea that it turns them into approval seekers and can hamper their ability to fully explore their own intrinsic motivations and their own internal joy and be seeking for these these outside uh outside reinforcements so uh, it's a form of moralism. And, you know, when when Brad Blanton in his book, uh, Radical Parenting, kind of like um, criticizes moralizing our children and telling them what's right and wrong, it's mostly focused on, you know, like ways you should behave and whatever. It, it, he doesn't really get into this issue of praise, but um, I'm totally all, now sold on this idea that that a focus on grades or achievement or whatever erodes children's just internal passion for the activities that they're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty revolutionary actually, you know, it's, it's takes a big leap of faith to come out of that notion that like we have to train ourselves to be good basically. And without some external thing, whether it's grades or money or whatever it is, you know, that we would never do anything good.
1: Yeah. Again, this, this podcast and these books are going to appeal to people who kind of believe that at the, their core humans are, are good and that it's it's kind of alterations of, of our nature that lead to more selfishness and violence and other issues. Not that that's like really that inherent in us. And that kind of gets into Alfie Cohen's later pieces, which is just this idea of empathy. You know, he says all humans want autonomy, but, you know, we were all, we all evolved to work together and to depend on each other Um, children especially are totally dependent on their parents but also just like you had an evolutionary advantage if you believe in evolution you had an evolutionary advantage if you teamed up with other people and if you cooperated and so that connection i think is just built into us and you know there's that concept of theory of mind where where children around the age of it's not totally clear but somewhere between like two and six get the ability to understand the world from other beings or or objects point of view and with that ability um, comes kind of your own moralism so I think later on in the book Alfie gets into like how you can just get your children encourage your children to hone that skill of trying on perspectives other than their own, understanding other people's feelings and emotions as a way for them to build their own moral compass where you don't end up having to course correct very much and you don't have to, you know, scold and punish and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and that's the really interesting thing about punishment and and rewards that by teaching kids that the effect on them, the good or bad thing that's going to happen or not happen to them, takes away that internal compass of like
1: yeah, he's
0: con- caring he's... about other stuff besides what's gonna happen to you.
1: And that's part of the issue with B.F. Skinner and the the consequences, you know, that focus on consequences, which is that it's always, yeah, the consequences on you, not that it maximizes joy and minimizes suffering in the whole world, but that it's just like, yeah, all about, about you.
0: So I have a confession. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, thought that I was 100% sold on all of this right uh-huh. like people are good at the very core people are good, that children are good that you know we can trust ourselves, we can trust our children that there's no bar- bad parts of anyone. there's you know shadow stuff that's gotten twisted or uh-huh. or whatever. You know, and um, I'm going to read the sentence from Alfie Cohn's book that like really, for some reason, like seared into my psyche. This is early on in the book. He says, the dominant problem with parenting in our society isn't permissiveness, but the fear of permissiveness. And that strikes me so much, I think, because I'm... Fairly permissive, I would say, and I have a big fear about it. I have a big fear that like, what if I'm wrong? And she's going to be this like feral, <laughs> unsocialized creature that's not going to be able to succeed in the world and she's going to have a terrible life. Mm. I actually have that fear somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the other fear is <clears throat> is just control. I mean, it's just so natural in human psyche to want to control our situations to want to know outcomes to want to know the future just to want control and the more trauma we've gone through you and i have both at least recently a little bit studied studied trauma through our radical honesty uh work and you know the the more trauma you've experienced the more you have this kind of like compulsion uh to control things so to me that's what he's speaking to when he talks about that fear of permissiveness it's just like We don't know what's going to happen. We don't have control. I think it's so beautiful to just trust our children and trust in millions of years of evolution. And that doesn't mean we don't teach anything. It doesn't mean we don't lead. It doesn't mean we don't have our own kind of boundaries and our own needs. But I think it's totally okay that you aren't totally sold on that idea. You've got a lot of company, you know, you got a lot of...
0: Intellectually, I am. I'm sold, you know. And I like the idea of teaching our kids. You know, Becky Bailey talks about that too, that discipline Mm. is not about rewards and punishments. It's about teaching, you know, discipline comes from the word disciple. And so I think about, you know, like I'm a violin teacher. I would never punish my student if they like play a wrong note or like do something unskillfully. I would help them learn Mm. how to make it work better. And so I'm really interested in that, like, you know, if my kid is doing something that crosses the line for me personally, either for my physical body or my time or whatever it is, yeah. you know, I can, I'm I'm not all the way to the non-interference spectrum. I can teach her in a loving way, you mm-hmm. know? And I, 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 I see this all the time with kids where they're getting like, chided or whatever, like even with something simple, like um, if a kid, parents get really annoyed by this because, you know, if you're hearing it a thousand times a day, you're like, oh, you know, when kids get real demanding and they're like, give me that water or whatever. And instead of saying, don't be rude, or this is what parents say a lot, right, is like, that's not nice or or that's so rude or whatever it's like just tell the kid what you want them to say you know mm-hmm. so it's te- it's teaching you know like giving kids again the benefit of the doubt that they're not trying to be rude or demanding sometimes
1: i don't know if he wrote this or if i just drew it out of it but in my notes i put that in the vast majority of those situations the the choice or the the correct path is to make requests of your child that the child is truly free to accept or not, you know? I think what you're saying about like the way that they ask for water or something is perfect. Like respecting your autonomy as a human and respecting your child's autonomy, uh, it's one thing we practice a lot in radical honesty, which is just like how to make requests in a way that is like vulnerable, in a way that isn't like an ultimatum, isn't a trap, isn't a game. It's just like making another human know what you want making that request being with the vulnerability of of not knowing whether that's going to be accepted or not re- accepted and respecting that other human in this case your child's autonomy to to say yes or no we don't control you know ideally we don't we don't control or oppress other people and and limit their choices in a few instances as a parent you need to do that in a leadership sense but yeah, that, I like that idea of just yeah. making the request of your child and then I'm going to take care of myself whether you ask for it this way or not.
0: Yeah, thank you for saying that about the choice because I think that was the piece where something kind of flipped for me where you know, acknowledging her right, my daughter's right to say no to me at any time. And not that I didn't think that before. I thought, yeah, of course she's going to say no to me. And it's my job to make sure that I, as the adult, make certain things happen. So for example, and kind of having some tension around that. So like Janet Lansbury always talks about being a calm, confident leader. And that as the adult, I am in charge. And there's certain things that I am going to make sure that they happen. And I, I was like trying so hard to do that That I think I was getting in my own way, actually, because I had this feeling of like, here we go. If she says no, then there's going to be a power struggle. And then I'm going to have to be the calm, confident leader and like make sure that I get my way, basically. And so I have an example of this where something very cool happened. Over the summer, we were doing a lot of bike rides. We would go out after dinner and do a bike ride before dinner. And I probably have mentioned this before. We kind of collect the neighborhood children along the way (laughs) and sometimes end up with a posse of like five or six kids, you know, all riding around. Biker gang. Yeah. And the the kids get kind of hyped up about it because it's exciting. It's not the best thing to do right before bedtime. Because, you know, it's like a big group of kids. Elsie Jane's only four. And some of the kids are all the way up to, you know, 12. And so it's like really She gets really pumped and it's very exciting for her. So naturally, she doesn't want to go home. And that's sort of my idea about it of like, it's my job to now get her to go home when she doesn't want to go home yet. She would stay out here till 11 o'clock at night if she wanted to. However, I'm not willing to stay out there until 11 o'clock at night. And I'm not willing to leave my four-year-old, you know, half a mile away in the The dark. The biker gang. Right. <laughs> Even though actually she'd probably be safe because she's with other kids and their parents and stuff. But I'm not going to leave her alone and I'm not going to stay there. So I'm in a quandary, right? And this is the difficulty in parenting. Yeah, she has the right to say no. However, what, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Other than leave my child out in the dark or physically remove her. So often I would get impatient and, and sort of be edgy with her and like, come on, we got to go and like, it's time we have to go now and start to leave myself hoping that she's going to follow me. So this one night, rather than sort of making a like a general announcement while she's 20 feet away, like, we're going to leave in 10 minutes. And then, you know, pretty soon it's five minutes. And then like, okay, now it's time to leave. I'm your calm, confident leader. I just like casually went up to her. And I was thinking, okay, we're two people. We're not exactly equals. But what if we were equals and she was just a friend of mine and we were somewhere out and I was ready to go? How would I talk to a friend of mine and say, I'm ready to leave. How about you? And that's how I approached it with her. And I sort of like, I went up close. I wouldn't make an announcement to an adult friend from 20 feet across the room. Like, we're going to leave now. It's time to go. So I just, I like went up to her and pretty quietly said, like, hey, I'm I'm ready to go. How about you? And I know that she heard me. I don't think that she responded. And she got interested in a firefly. And I thought that this was on like, literally on her list for today. Earlier in the day, she was like, I really want to catch a firefly today. So I was like, here's here we go. She gets to catch her firefly. So I just waited. And I was like, really watching her. I was really observing her. I was very curious about how is this gonna go if I don't coerce her? So she gets interested in the firefly. She catches the firefly. She shows it to each one of her friends one by one. She lets it go. And I think, okay, we're, now we're gonna go. She takes one more turn on the swing. You know, and all of this is happening in less than five minutes. And rather than getting tense and being like, she's not coming, what am I going to do now? Like, we have to go, it's getting dark and I don't want to be up all night, right? I just waited, but I was very carefully observing her. She took one more turn on the swing and then she got on her bike and said, okay, let's go. And I don't think that I had said anything to her after I said, I'm ready to leave, let's go. And I just kind of trusted that she heard me and that she was kind of like wrapping it up and doing her thing on her time and that we would leave and everything was gonna be okay. Yeah, (laughs) And like, I I don't know if that sounds like anything to anybody else, but for me, it was like, Mm ah, you know, I like, I just gave her a little time and space and she, cooperated with what i wanted whether or not she was ready to go at that time i'm not sure that she would have chosen that moment to leave Mm -hmm. it was kind of magical
1: yeah it's a great balance of autonomy and connection you know and alfie does say in the book you know like there are instances where they don't get to make a choice there are instances where your role as a parent takes precedent and he said, and those don't pretend to give them a choice, you know. Right. Don't pretend that it's their choice. And yeah, I mean, some people like I believe in, in self-reliance. I named my child after Ralph Waldo Emerson, the 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 author of self-reliance. I believe in like every human's autonomy to make their own decisions. I had some formative experiences that just got me, I run a nonprofit that is largely about making sure everybody people especially people without much power in society have as much autonomy as possible have their own voice have their own ability to shape public awareness and shape public policy that's what my life is about so i'm the hmfic i'm the person in charge of this of this organization and uh i, I didn't want to say that because we're in the radio on the radio station now so i'm trying not to not to curse it starts for head mother in charge
0: oh, okay. okay um Shoot, Am I supposed to not? Be
1: <laughs> We're trying not to now, okay. but it's okay. I didn't know
0: that.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's fine. Uh, and honestly, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. You know, I'm a, I'm a little like torn with it. And both as a parent and as a executive director of an organization, I need to like understand like my role sometimes requires me to be a leader and and has yeah. some responsibilities that the other roles don't have and it's not just totally equal. Everybody's exactly the same. It's not anarchy. <clears throat> there is some like uh, delegation of duties. And so, yeah. So Alfie said that as well, just like when don't sugarcoat it, don't talk around it. Don't, don't be afraid of your role. Like sometimes there is that, yeah. and those are going to be so much more impactful when, you know, like at that moment you didn't have to leave right then you could wait five or 10 minutes. There was some flexibility for, for Elsie Jane to, to have some autonomy in that decision or some input in when you guys left. And then if there was another time when there wasn't, then it's, then, yeah, then you don't really present the choice. And the fewer and farther between those are, I still, I trust. And I think Alfie argues that your child will be way more responsive to those when they know that the norm is that that they have some autonomy.
0: Yeah. He talks about that, that the kids who are cooperative and responsive are the ones who have a secure trusting relationship, you know, with power figures. And I, I got to remember that I feel, cause I feel like it's kind of money in the bank, you know, like that. I give, I say yes at every, I say no a lot, but I say yes at every opportunity. And when I do say no, I expect myself to have a good reason, you know, and, cause it, it is, and, and I consider it to be a good reason that, I'm tired and I'm not willing to do X, Y, Z, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, that's kind of a big deal when you're a parent is like, I'm just not willing to do that. Like I don't have it in me. That's a good enough reason, you know, but every chance that I get, even if something makes no sense to me, she wants some random thing. If I have no reason to say no, even if I don't really care and it's like a little bit of a pain, I'm like, yes, and I consider that money in the bank. Like I will say yes, 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 yes to everything I can say yes to, and um, trust that she's going to. We're going to have a mutually responsive relationship that way. That like I care about what she wants, even if doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't under I don't want it, and I don't understand why she wants it. It's like well, she's interested in that.
1: So yeah. So let's kind of wrap up this first two-thirds of the book which is just kind of the arguments about like why traditional punishment doesn't really work and then and then we can focus on the last part of the book which was my favorite Mm -hmm. um you know uh, one of his arguments and he references a lot of studies is just that traditional punishment just doesn't work um that uh he, he talks about all kinds of different studies even some that say in some cultures in some ways even corporal you know like like spanking or something has some whatever but he 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 just kind of uses research to just say that doesn't work anyway so let's mm-hmm. let's focus on the relationship one thing i've learned again as like an executive director is i never make like business decisions mm-hmm. when i'm angry i never i never you know if an employee just makes me so mad or does something that that i'm just like livid about and they deserve to get fired on the spot one rule i've just made for myself that started here but has, has kind of worked its way out to everywhere It's just like I don't make decisions like that uh, when I'm mad I can tell someone I'm mad I can tell someone that what they've done it makes me mad but I would never with an employee or, or with other people in my life never make a decision like let's break up because I'm so mad let's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna fire you because I'm so mad I express the anger and those decisions are gonna come come later I can still fire them for that same reason, but it's going to be, you know, a day or two down the road or something when it's not just a, a knee-jerk reaction. So he, yeah. Alfie Cohen said, it's most important to refrain from punishment when we're angry. I've seen parents, I don't want to name any names, but I have some parents that are even close to me that I'll just see them, the, the determining factor of whether or not they enforce the instructives that they give to their child is how mad they are. You know, they'll say to do something. And as long as they're not mad, they won't enforce anything. And then it's not until they get really angry or they get triggered. And yeah, most of us, that's not what we want. Determining how we parent is whether or not we're triggered.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of something that another thing that really struck me in the book. And I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to find it right this moment. It was I read like every footnote in this book, right? Like, did you see all the footnotes? Yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff in the, uh, the notes at the back, but it was something about, he talks about one style of parenting is saying, no, 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 yes. Of like getting, I, I guess, getting worn down or something like that. And then he said, and the alternative that's also not the greatest is yes, 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 no, where, which I'm in danger of doing often, saying yes, 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 yes. Even when I don't fully mean yes, that's where I get into trouble. And so I start to get edgy, angry, impatient, resentful, whatever. And then finally, there's a big no at the end that's sort of a surprise and that's sort of out of proportion, Mm. right? So I, I was glad to read that actually because for me personally, It is important for me to be able to be unconditionally loving i have i can't let myself get to that place Mm -hmm. where i'm feeling resentful feeling like a pushover feeling like whatever Mm -hmm. so i have to really check like is the am i really a yes on this and i will say yes all day long if if i if it's really doesn't affect me and i'm getting better at saying no, just because I don't want to do something, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't, and I know that I'm going to feel resentful if I do. Mm -hmm. And so I was happy to hear that from him also, even Mr. Unconditional Love, you Mm -hmm. know, that like, it's important to say no when you, when you mean no.
1: Yeah. I think it's a challenge for a lot of people. I hate to ever be gendered, but I have a feeling it's a little more often a challenge for, for moms to just like, remember that taking care of themselves is is a big part of of parenting not just taking care of your child not sacrificing you know just taking care of yourself so that you have have more to give yeah i think part of the reason i've been so excited about parenting is i was the youngest child a lot of my life i've been able to be pretty self-absorbed the people around me like accommodate me being a little bit like selfish i have the you know an executive assistant and and i have uh my world often kind of revolves around me. And when I was with my nephew, when he was two and three, you know, it was like, no, no, no effing way. Like he doesn't, he, nothing revolved around me. And, and uh, yeah, I think you and I are a little different in that way in that that it's, it's a little less challenging. I, I love that. It pushes me to be, you know, less, less selfish. And I usually don't struggle with, with setting my own boundaries, But yeah, I think it's very normal too. And both of these books that that we've just read uh, really promote self-care in parents as like a first step.
0: And that's the beauty of children, right? Like they don't give a (laughs) rat's rear end who you are. You know what I mean?
1: Okay, so then getting to like the punchline of this book, I'm not interrupting you. Is there anything else you wanted to point out? I want
0: to get back to the end of the book too
1: yeah so you know again punishment impedes ethical behavior because it focuses the attention on yourself not others our goal is getting our child to consider how their actions affect others and he he talks against like punishment of all kinds including like natural ramifications there's another book i read that just like and i think brad the author of radical parenting really loves the idea of letting children face natural consequences of their actions but alfie talks about how if your child knows that you could have saved them from some like harm and you you didn't, uh that can have you know negative impact on your connection with them as well. So, he doesn't even believe that much in just letting your children face their own natural natural consequences.
0: I have yeah, I have some things to say about that, but finish first uh, what you're
1: saying. Okay, so yeah, and, and I I do t- I, I don't fully agree with that either. But the point is to to move from, it's really a shift in mindset. I I have some like tips and things that I think parents can actually do, but the second half of his book or the second last third of his book that's talking about like, what is the alternative to punishment? If it's not even just letting them face natural consequences, it's certainly not punishing them or spanking them. What is the alternative? He just says, you know, it's, it's not about things to do. It's about a mind shift from, how can I get my child to fill in the blank Mm -hmm. moving from that to what does my child need and how can I give it to him or her? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's really the answer. And I have this like numbered list, like the, you know, if you want a list of things to do, it's expressing unconditional love for your children, giving your children as many opportunities to make their own decisions as possible, looking at as many situations as you can from your child's point of view, even when you're disagreeing, acknowledging their point of view is something Janet Lansbury talked about a lot. And then thinking about your goals for your, for your child. Like for me, you know all my relationships that I have, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's my close friends, whether it's my coworkers, I mean, my life is about maximizing joy and kind of minimizing suffering. But my goals with relationships is I want free expression. I want non withholding in my relationships. I want non-pretending, I want free unbridled expression in my relationships, one. And then two is I want acceptance. I want, I want us to not have an agenda to change the other or manipulate the other. I want to accept each other. And when I you know, started my relationship with the mother and my child, that's what I said I wanted our relationship to be about. I want it to be about unbridled expression and kind of radical honesty with each other and I want it to be about accepting each other. And if we're ever trying to like support the other changing, it's just changing into their own version of their best self, helping them support their own goals, not some way I want them to be. That's how I want to be with my children as well. But keeping that in mind when your child is like not willing to leave the park or when they're throwing a temper tantrum somewhere or something. Uh, and making that kind of a priority over the like short term issue at hand—that's uh, that's what is part of the mind shift that that Alfie is recommending.
0: Yeah, and the irony is, or the you know the sort of counterintuitive thing is that a- as parents, I mean, this is the hardest thing about parents, right? Is that when I'm having a hard time personally, and I really just wish like that my kid would give me a break that is when she is least likely <laughs> to go easy on me or have an easy time herself, right? If I'm having a hard time, she's having a hard time. And that means there's two of us both having a hard time together because they f- they feed off of us so much. So th- this is what leadership means to me as a parent, you know, And I and I can't do this all the time. And I really am grateful for like, This is the super main growth, man, for me of being a parent is like things are not going to go my way and they're not going to be, I'm not going to be able to control them. I'm not going to be able to control her without coercion and force and punishments and whatever. And so can I keep my S-H-I-T together (laughs) and welcome life as it is when it's not going the way I wish it would go? And can I, when my kid doesn't want to leave someplace, oh, dude, that is the hardest. Transitions are always the hardest. Like, can I l- be really loving and kind with her and say, I, yeah, I know you don't, you really would love to stay and play more. And, you know, we, we need to leave now and I'm going to help you get in the car. You know, would you like to, to walk to the car? Would you like me to carry you? And I will. And there's been many times where I physically carry my child out of some place that she doesn't want to leave because we got to go. I like have a lesson in 30 minutes or whatever. And to not be scared of that, not be like, not be scared of doing what I need to do to take care of myself and being really loving and empathetic with her at the same time. Mm-hmm. And some parents would probably call that forcing a child. So, yeah, sometimes I have to force my child so i have to pick how am i going to do that am i going to do it with psychological manipulation i find that much more coercive you know if you get in the car i'll give you a lollipop Mm -hmm. or you know if you don't get in the car right now you're not going to watch tv for a week or whatever it's all the same right Mm -hmm. so i would actually much rather physically carry my child in a loving way without being angry than try to manipulate them into doing it on their own
1: some final notes you know he had in in the kind of the concluding chapters is is to put your relationship first and by that it means you know if you if you've been conscious about what you want your relationship with your child to be about just consider at any point, are you reinforcing those long-term goals in that moment or are you sacrificing them for some shorter term, kind of less important goal? Right. Um, and so being reflective like, and putting- Do your I want to
0: damage her. my relationship with my child in order to get my way right uh-huh. in this moment?
1: Right. Uh, another kind of just tip was uh, talk less and ask more. Mm. Um, another was try not to be in a hurry. I know we can't help it, but there was another study that uh, was a, about kind of like moral and ethical behavior. And they they did all kinds of things where they'd set up some situation where they had a, a person in a study. And then the, something that they thought wasn't part of the study is they had to like walk across campus uh, to go to another part of the study. And en route uh, on this walk, they would walk past someone that had fallen or hurting themselves or hurt themselves or something like that and they tried all kinds of things like giving them bad news you know having had a really bad day or 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 a good day giving them like negative feedback uh having them witness something like horrific whatever and like the thing that had the biggest impact on whether or not they would stop to help was was uh if they were in a hurry yeah being in a hurry and being preoccupied with something out of the moment is kind of just a recipe for failure with your relationships.
0: That I feel like that's where all the battles are for me as a parent is like, my sense of time is like this and her sense of time is like, you know, like we have to be able to slow down or else we're like just always.
1: Which is such a gift you can receive from your child. I mean, like I'm so preoccupied with the, like what happened before and what comes next and so rarely present. And it's one of those many gifts that you you can receive from your child if you're ready to receive it.
0: Totally. And they're like, it's not time to go to bed. Right. It, I don't even know what time it is. It's time to catch a firefly because it just flew by. So clearly yeah. that's what time it is. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> I, uh, when
0: I go to my daughter's school. She goes to the Asheville Waldorf School. You go in, well, you don't go in the building anymore because they're doing school all outdoors right now. Hmm. But Going to her school is like the whole universe just like went, "Mm." the way that the teachers Mm. talk and walk and everything is just like slower. Yeah. And I got to remember that sometimes, like if I do, when I do ask my child to do something, I have to give her time to process what I'm saying to make her own decision like it i find i get much more of what i want when i give her time i'm rushing her it's an automatic
1: and you know we can't do all of this stuff all the time so also in the closing of the book alfie just recommends like apologizing to your children often um i feel like i i really liked his section on that just like it's an opportunity to let your children know that, you know, that everybody makes mistakes. It, it really kind of like levels that playing field and um, yeah, taking any opportunity you can to reflect on what you've done and apologize to your children. Also, when you think they've made mistakes or when they're kind of acting out misbehavior, whether it's yours or theirs, is an opportunity to reflect on yourself. And it's like a teachable moment and getting them to relate to to that in that way not as like oh this means i'm bad or or something like that but it's just an opportunity to reflect and learn i really liked that message and then one thing that was kind of new for me um in this book that i that i think i'm gonna have a challenge have challenge remembering is just making sure that your expectations are age appropriate and one thing he said is you know i uh both as a director in my organization and just like in friendships and whatever, I'm a little bit of a stickler for honoring your word, and I I, I really care about you say you're going to do something and and you do it, um, and I think especially at times when my life is really unstable, when my mom got got sick and and is dying, when when my foundation is kind of shaken. I get more thrown and more triggered by people who don't do what they say they're going to do, who I don't think I can count on. And he mentions that specifically in the book that like young children can't keep promises over time, that they don't really understand a commitment that they're, that they're making and and what that means. And yeah, it's unrealistic to have that expectation. And there are a lot of other expectations we often have of kids. I think we'll do another episode about like how, how kids do grow into what we expect of them and, and, you know, giving them the opportunities to feed themselves. Like you go into a Waldorf school or a Montessori school often, and you see kids, you know, making their own food or cleaning their own dishes or yeah. Yeah. Using knives. Yeah. It's, it, it reinforces to us, our kids can do so much more than most of us, most of us think they can, but also we want to be realistic with, with expectations, especially when they're around like, our own rules and our own triggers
0: yeah yeah it's a balancing act for sure i you know i imagine <laughs> brushing like tap, pat myself on the back i imagine one of the reasons my daughter's so precocious is because i really have always talked to her like i you know like a whole person and like i gave her a lot of independence and encouraged mm-hmm. that you know and i sometimes forget like she's only four. yeah <laughs> like, so verbal and she's so independent and she can like hang with 10 year olds all day and but she's only four yeah, yeah. I, I forget that sometimes and i'll get i'll be starting to get really impatient about something i'm like whoa you know once again it's like slow my roll a little bit like she probably needs something for me right now she's just she's a little kid yeah yeah
1: yeah, that's that's interesting to keep in mind while we're training ourselves to talk to them like a peer and talk to them like we would in the respectful yeah. way we talk to our coworkers or our friends. We want to do that and keep in mind that our expectations of them need to be age appropriate.
0: Yeah, it's a funny little like back and forth there.
1: So one of my favorite like tips for like what you can do if you don't want to do traditional punishment and behavioral modification and manipulation is to like just have a lot of conversations that aren't like you know, you know, like only in punishment situations where you're talking about other people's feelings. So often parents, the only time they'll say like, how do you think that made Tommy feel? That's only gonna come up when your child has done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our next episode, we're gonna review a bunch of children's books and I'm gonna bring out a huge slew of books that are all about normalizing and 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 yeah, normalizing communication around feelings and other people's perspectives um, in a way that makes that not a punishment. And and if they do do something that maybe hurts Susie or hurts Susie's feelings, you can talk about that in a way that is familiar to them and not threatening and not like a moralism or a or a punishment. So I'm really excited about about that next episode and you don't necessarily need, need those books to do that. Um, but you know, when I've been reading books to, to Arlo for the first time, Mm
0: -hmm. it's
1: amazing what percentage of children's books focus so much on teaching our children, the vocabulary of numbers and colors and shapes and animals. Like there's this background, there's this context of teaching shapes and letters and animals and colors and numbers to like every not every but a huge percentage of children's books and with Arlo to the extent I have any control over it we're going to interject you know happy sad smiles tears pain joy excitement jealousy we're going to interject that stuff in that same way it's such an important You know vocabulary for them to understand more so in my opinion than like x-ray fish and, uh, and dinosaurs like what dinosaurs eat meat and whatnot i mean kids learn all of that and they don't necessarily learn like well what are the physical sensations that that come up when i feel sad or or what what is what are some of the cues from my body that that i'm happy or or anxious or scared or whatever. And there are some great books for that. A lot of them aimed at, at autistic children, but, um, but yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna bring some of those out next week.
0: Cool. Good. And I, it's probably too. we're probably out of time for now, but I'd love to have another conversation about natural consequences. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a whole big can of worms potentially. Um, it's something I'm, real interested in and i've read all kinds of different things about and that could be a whole conversation
1: yeah one of the books on my list is is largely about that topic uh so i think we can talk about it it might be raising boys by john roberts or it might be another book that that i don't have on the top of my tongue um but there is a book that's been recommended to me that is mostly about this idea of what I call um, prime directive parenting, which is non-intervention as much as as much as possible, uh, someone recommended this book. That's like if you are non-intervening, allowing natural consequences to be the the coach or the leader for your for your child uh, is one one approach.
0: There's one. There's a real famous one called Love and Logic, mm-hmm. which I cannot fully recommend.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: some decent stuff in there, and there's some really stomach churning stuff in there so it's a yeah it's an interesting um discussion i think
1: yeah well anything you want to just say while we close about about what your thoughts are or reflecting on what alfie said about leaving your children to face natural consequences of their actions
0: yeah i think there's probably lots of different ways to go about natural consequences and the way that interests me i guess is allowing kids to explore and experiment and find out what happens without there being an, I told you so, Uh huh. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I told you to bring your winter coat and now you're cold. See? I told um, you that
1: would burn your hand and you touched <laughs> it anyway.
0: You know, and there, so there's times where, you know, just like Janet Lansbury talks about, with a kid, if a kid is like working really hard to like do a button, we're not gonna swoop in and, and save them and kind of take that struggle away. And I'm also not gonna leave my kid to flounder there for an hour. And I might give them like the most teeny little piece of help that is attuned to what is going to give them a stepping stool without taking over the process. Mm-hmm. So it's a, yeah, I think there's like a, I may need to like take some notes and think about it, but I think that natural consequences are actually natural consequences that don't come about because a parent has orchestrated a situation to teach you a lesson. Yeah. That's like the danger. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, I think that will come up naturally in a few of our, of our future uh, book reviews, but if not, we can always talk about it anytime, but yeah, next week we'll be talking about uh, children's books, and and uh, we're both going to bring out a few of our favorite children's books, and then I'm going to bring out this kind of slew of books all about about emotions and understanding our bodies. I got one in the mail today that I sent to Kara. That uh, what was it called? It was called My Body Sends a Signal. Cool. So cool! So cool. Like radical
0: honesty. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Kara. It's kind of late. We usually don't do it at night. You can see how dark it is here. uh, Those of you that are watching in video, but uh, thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week.
0: Thanks, Tony. All right. Bye-bye.